0: Welcome. Well, let's talk about a good night's sleep for those of you suffering from insomnia or simply not able to put yourself to sleep in a comfortable, relaxed sort of way. And let's talk about those ways in which you can actually change your relationship with sleep because your body needs to sleep, and there's just no question about it. Do you realize if you go one night 90 minutes less sleep than you normally would need you're probably about 30% less efficient cognitively the next day. You might think that you're okay, but the truth is, is that your response time, your motor skills, their quickness of response, your attuneness to all the different things you need to perceive, your ability to deal with frustrations or demands or stresses are all compromised between 20 to 30% relative to what your normal functioning level would be. It is highly advisable to recognize that your body, your mind, your brain, your personality, your relationships all thrive better when you're able to sleep. But you probably know that. And that's why you're so concerned about the possibility of having insomnia. The other aspect that is very important to know is that you're battling with your weight and definitely with your hormone processes, which both men and women do. Sleep is a very important time of regulation. It's also a time of anti-aging processes that go on inside of you that are related to the growth hormones that are wonderfully distributed and produced and, and allowed to re- recuperate your body cell function during the time that you are asleep. This time of sleep is not something to look at as if it is a disposable time of your day. There are many things that are probably disposable moments in your day, but sleep is not one of them. How much do you need? Well, the research, you know, sometimes says between five to nine hours, but those bits of research that actually look at individuals that got five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep, anything less than seven hours of sleep, still found an incredible stress on the body's systems, All sorts of different hormones being messed with if they were getting less than seven hours of sleep, eight to nine, optimal. Maybe you'll need more. Maybe need a little bit less. The truth of the matter is, though, you cannot rob the bank of sleep without there being some real debit that's going to be going on in your life and your body. And a way of examining that is to look at the weight gain. And we talk about people putting on more weight during the time that they're having children or during the time they're working a lot and how much of it is actually associated to the fact that they have created an imbalance in their weight and eating issues associated to not having enough sleep. But let's just look at that for just a moment. There's something called gremlin. It's a, it's a, a process inside your body that helps boost your appetite and crea- creates uh, an increase in fat production in your body. So your body can grow and that's brilliant when it comes to the growth times of your life, but after you've stopped growing, let's say age 18, like in approximate time, you don't really need this to be so evident in life unless, of course, you're having trouble putting weight on, but in a situation where you don't have enough sleep, the gremlin actually activates even more because it perceives this lack of sleep at the time when the body needs to be protective and assisted in survival by increasing appetite and by increasing fat production, because it perceives that the lack of sleep, is jeopardizing the well-being of your body. That's an emotional way of looking at hormones, but consider that as associated to when you say, I'm not going to get as much sleep as I need, or I don't want to sleep as much as they say I should, that your body will actually perceive it as a stressor that you're putting in there that it tries to compensate for, and you will gain weight. Your appetite will increase unnecessarily, And the way you store fat will be increased and that it will perceive that the food that you eat needs to be stored as fat as opposed to used as energy. Using uh, your food as energy is associated to your body feeling energetic enough to do that that it doesn't feel like it has to go into storing fat to save you. Another hormone that's very much about weight gain is leptin. And this level, it runs the highest during nighttime when you're resting. It's, it, it, it's there and it tells your body while you're sleeping that you don't need to eat. It, it inhibits appetite. It helps the hunger to go away. And so this leptin, L-E-P-T-I-N, is also presently able to be m- multiply evident in your day and helping you not overeat uh, because it crosses the, the need to eat. Well, what happens when you're not getting enough sleep is just the opposite. Your body is being told you need to eat to compensate for the lower energy. You need to eat because it's in a a period of stretching. You need to eat because there's more time. You are staying up probably beyond that four to six hour limit after your last meal and grabbing the snack because you're hungry because your body has gone into that cycle of, oh, it's four to six hours, it's time for the next meal, and then you're eating right before you go to sleep, which also disrupts sleep. So these are just ways of looking at the chemistry of your body. And just for a moment, consider that you are no more than the lead laboratory chief the chemistry lab called your body. And if you're not addressing the safety and components of how to deal with the chemistries in your body, your body is going to counteract in such a way as to make it very unappealing to be inside of your body. Sleep is incredibly important for other reasons as well. So I don't mean to belabor this because you know this because you're here. So now let's talk about what you can do. Well, you probably fell into the pattern of insomnia for lots of reasons. Excess stress, excess demand, illness of the children, work stress, job stress, needing to work too hard, something going on in your situation that is highly, highly anxiety-producing and frightening, feeling like you have to stay vigilant instead of resting, making out a list and working during your sleep time when you really just need to be sleeping and turning it all off. Um, trying to be sensitive to other people's schedules, so you push yourself beyond your own. You need to fall asleep at a certain uh, rhythm uh, time, and staying up past that, and then waking yourself up and getting your second wind, which is kind of dangerous when you're having trouble with insomnia. So getting your second wind is probably not a good thing. What you want to do is to fall asleep during your first wind, if possible. And then, of course, if you're up and you have your second wind, you will come to the point where you're tired at the end of that second wind, and you need to let yourself shut down. So this experience of saying, okay, I need to let myself shut down, that that's okay, and not to fight it. Even if it means your family has to adjust to your rhythm, you need to say that that's okay. You will be a much better parent, a much better spouse, even sexier, if you respond to your rhythm and you settle into place. Let's talk about spouses for a moment. Men tend to sleep better after sex. Women tend tend to wake up after sex. And that's all related to all sorts of different reasons and hormones and survival and species-specific sorts of things and brain chemistry. But let's just leave that aside for a moment. Women, you're more likely to enjoy sex in the morning when it wakes you up uh, unless you are able to relax after you've had sex. Man, you've got to be aware that the woman in your life may not be able to have sex at nighttime and also get the type of recuperating sex she needs to have. This is very exasperated when there are children that have been entered into the circumstances. When the women are conscious of putting the kids up and being up and up, up. they're exhausted because emotionally and pragmatically their energies have been spent and they have nothing left. And the truth is they have nothing left because they need to go into rest and not trying to get their second wind going out. There are always exceptions to the rules. There are women and men that need to go to bed and not have sex because sex lets them off. And there are men and women who need to have sex in order to be able to sleep because it relaxes them. You need to figure out how does sex fit into the equation of sleep or not, for your particular body and personality type. Another aspect of this is related to exercise. Clearly, the a 100% clear that if you exercise between 30 to 40 minutes a day, you will sleep better. Now, the question is, is that some people sleep better if they exercise toward the end of the day, maybe right after work and before eating dinner. Um, Other people actually will wake themselves up to exercise and move past that first wind or they'll get themselves moved in such a level of adrenaline that they actually exacerbate their awakeness, their energy, at the wrong time of the day. So you're going to have to play with your own exercise schedule. But note, you need to do exercise in order to be able to sleep. Your body needs to sweat and it needs to strain and it needs to express itself physically so that it also feels like it can go into rest and recuperation and comfortably being able to discharge those types of invigorating energies um, so that sleep and falling asleep doesn't become a time of trying to discharge that, but instead a time of recuperation. So yes, exercise is incredibly important. The next one, of course, you know, but I need to say it anyway, you've got to stay away from caffeine after a certain time of day. For some people, that certain time of day is three some people it's noon time, some people it's 10 o'clock in the morning, because the longevity of the caffeine that is in your system, and there's all sorts of different blind sources of caffeine, chocolates included, soft drinks included, so that you have to be conscious of taking in those foods that are actually trying to mess up with your sleep cycle, and knowing what those particular givens are for you, even chocolate pudding at night, or a Uh, a a sweet, wonderful espresso or a latte at the end of the meal, you have got to be aware that even decaf coffee and tea have some caffeine in them and you may be extra sensitive to it. Now, know that when you're trying to move yourself out of insomnia, that kind of pattern, sometimes you have to take extra special care to do all of these things, but it may not always be that way. So you're going to go into a program for yourself where you really take very good care of avoiding all of those things that are going to make you not be able to sleep at night. Now, how about some of those things that, like exercise that you can do that help you sleep? One thing to do is to slow down the light dim it down and slow down the sounds dim those down so to speak and then also dim down screen time there is plenty of research that indicates that people who are on computers uh, gaming or any sort of devices along those lines where it's interactive or they're doing a lot of movement, that the brain gets into a rev sort of mode and the brain will continue to rev. And so it, the brain chemistry has changed, the brain waves has changed, they haven't been allowed to relax and to just shut them off and then to go to sleep. For those of you that are having insomnia, that's probably not a very likely formula. So they do say that under these circumstances, two hours without the active interactive screen time with computers or devices where you're interacting with them actually is very important for the brain to get a sense of becoming passive. So you want to start doing passive activities one to two hours before your bedtime. Passive activities include reading a book unless books charge you up. Reading a boring book is even more passive listening to music with your eyes closed and doing a relaxation sort of thing, gentle, uh, non-sweat um, yoga or movement-type exercises that make your muscles feel massaged, sometimes even swimming, which moves a lot of melatonin into your body, that can sometimes make individuals feel very relaxed. People have their hot toddies, or they have... Uh, with alcohol without alcohol, they have their hot chamomile kind of tea. These things help rev up the melatonin and the melatonin in your body is what helps you sleep and is very reparative to your tissues and helps in the anti-aging process. What's interesting with melatonin is that if there's light hitting into your eyes, including the LED of your devices, but there's light hitting into your eyes, your brain does not produce as much melatonin if it does if it's in relative darkness. So the gentleness of light, the calmness of it, reducing it down. Those of you that have traveled in airplanes uh, over extended periods of time, like anywhere from six to ten hours on an airplane, recognize that the airlines have this down pat. And they will dim the lights, and then they will increase the lights. They will time when they start making the coffee smell good in the cabin, and time when everything's neutral, so that they will ask you to do certain things very specific to trying to regulate people's rhythms so that most of the time on the airplane, everybody's passive and relaxed and sleeping. This is deliberate. This is human engineering at its best, and you need to become a human engineer for you and your sleep. So here's another aspect of what you need to do is you need to set a regular bedtime. Bed for this period of time and you're learning how to get your rhythm back, it isn't about one night I go to sleep at 8, another time I go to sleep at 12, and this time I go, that's not really likely to work. What's more likely to work is that you go to bed having dimmed down your brain, dimmed down the demands, dimmed down what's going on, whether that hot bath or the chamomile tea or some good aromatherapy or relaxation or massage, but you dim down and become more passive an hour to two hours before bedtime, and that bedtime is at the same time every night. So for a while, maybe every night at 11, every night at 10, every night at 12, the thing is, is to aim for always seven to nine hours of sleep. So what time you go to bed is the same. Now, waking up in the morning can be variable. But going to bed needs to be the same. Now, that helps your body regulate. And the dysregulation that moves you out of your natural circadian rhythms is what battles insomnia. But moving yourself back into a rhythm where your body begins to feel at a certain time. And often insomnia follows dysregulated schedules whether it's travel whether it's nighttime work shift whether it's dealing with kids that are sick you know it's that dysregulation that that becomes habituated or part of the norm of life that often leads to people being chronically insomniac and they don't realize that moving back into that predictable time is actually incredibly helpful for fighting insomnia now when you're in bed Some people say, oh, my gosh, if you're awake for 30 minutes, wake yourself up and go walk around. Or if you're worried about, yeah, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, get up and walk around. But my my take on it is that be fine with yourself. If you need to have your head comfortably and your eyes closed, maybe listening to soft music or not, because sometimes music actually keeps the brain awake for some people, or listening to a book being read to you on tape, sometimes that helps people drone on. Anything that's not going to make you interact but more is like telling yourself the bedtime story where you just kind of wall yourself into sleep, go ahead and do some of those things if those things work, whether it's background sounds of waves or whether it's uh, um, someone talking to you or rubbing your back. Go ahead and do those sorts of things. And don't worry about, oh, my gosh, I've been lying here for 30 minutes. I can't do this. Because even though you're lying there with your eyes closed, listening to something soothing you, you are moving into the state where the melatonin and all the other hormones are going to respond to a state of passiveness. And eventually, within a few weeks, that 10 o'clock time will become a signal that it's okay to become passive and let down the activity. Another aspect that bothers individuals often with insomnia is if their brain doesn't stop racing. And what I find for highly cognitive individuals that have these chronic conversations going on inside their head is, number one, if you're trying to keep the list in your head of what you need to do for the next day, Forget it. Make sure you write your list out one to two hours before bedtime as to what you need to do the next day, and then put it in a spot that you that's away from your bed. And then, if there's something that plagues you, have a piece of paper by there so that in the dimness of the night you can reach over and just write it down and forget about it. Do not try to hold on in your memory what you need. Oh my goodness, I need to do this next day. I need to write a check for this. Oh, I have to call so and so because what you'll do is you'll actually make your brain. Wake up trying to all night remember that as opposed to just writing it down and passing it through. Another aspect for people who think a lot and chatter to themselves a lot is I actually use a technique where people learn to tell themselves stories. So they add their mind who's already active to start telling themselves stories. They're to create three characters, and those three characters that have distinct personalities and then to create an adventure for them to go through. And tell yourself as many details and the stories and the adventures as you want to go. There's all sorts of different types of meditations, and some of the meditations require you to learn how to be empty in your cognitive processing so that you're, you're free and empty of those types of thoughts that you're racing through. But my experience with people who are very cognitively activated, and they do a lot of self-talk, and that's the way they process anxiety or get things done, or the creative is that they actually have to engage in a meditative sort of way in the imaginative process by telling themselves a story. You'll find that you're actually telling yourself a story to sleep. Another thing is to listen to a book being read, not a great and amazing book, but a book that kind of drones on. Interestingly enough, for me, Games of Thrones, even though it's full of dynamic and activity, The person who reads it, their voice is relatively monotone, and the information is so full of details that my brain just starts to shut down. If I'm having a problem, I listen to those words. Those words replace my words, but those words don't captivate my attention, like the words that I would be chattering with myself at nighttime. So that's the experience. You give your brain that's chattering with words. You give them words to attend to that have nothing to do with any anxious topics that are going on, and you take care of the list of anxious topics an hour to two hours before you go to bed. So this brings me to another one. A lot of us work. You know, we put the kids to bed, and then we go to work. And we work for another three hours, and we go to bed at 12, and we're exhausted because we're waking up at 5. The thing is, is that, unfortunately, if you're dealing with insomnia, working before you go to bed or working in your bed, it's not a good idea. For some people, not a problem. Remember, you're not hooking into this conversation because you don't have insomnia. But for those of you that do have insomnia, the work group needs to go into another room. You need to make a special effort to make bedtime bedtime, and you need to keep it on a regulated sort of way. So this is peaceful and quiet and gentle so your body knows that you mean business, that this is really the time to recuperate your body to help it be able to process all the wonderful hormones that keep you healthy, keep you away from heart attacks, keep you away from gaining weight, keep you away from aging. All those things are going on while you are asleep, as well as processing in your dreams those components of life that have anxiety or quandary or question to them, so that even in your dreams you'll find yourself much more able, not only because you're refreshed, to deal with issues, but you'll also be able to process solutions in your dreams as well. But that's another story, how to dream actively. And I have other shows that are related to that too. Well, I help people all the time with insomnia because it's part of our Western society approach to life. And I'm here also to help you to to find a particular formula that's going to help you and you know you're not alone. Don't hesitate for a moment to get a download of apps and devi- on your devices that are meant to help you go to sleep. Some of them are fantastic and not network for you. Try and don't be discouraged if the first few things on the menu of applications are completely at loss for you because your style of your brain and your style of resting and dealing with anxiety and stress is going to be different than a horde of other people. Let's say one person said there's 26 different types of personalities out there. So one out of those 26, you probably fit the category, which means you have to find your particular formula as to what's going to work for you. Well, folks, sleep and sleep well, because that's a very important of your, part of your life and your mental health and your relationship and your sexuality and your aging and your work function. Don't shortchange it. It is invaluable. You Certainly wouldn't deduct thousands of dollars every night out of your bank just so you could work harder. So look at the bank of sleep as something you do not want to deduct from because it will help you in every aspect of your life to be very rested. This is Dr. Carol Francis. Thanks for tuning in. Glad you could join, and don't hesitate to contact me. I am located in Los Angeles area, and you can reach me at 310-543-1824 or through drcarolfrancis.com. Let me spell that out, dot com. if you wish. And I look forward to hearing from you on either of those places that you finally have got that good night's sleep that makes you human yet again. Cheers. Dr. Carol Francis signing off. Bye.